WFNZ. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be with you for the next three hours, and we want to hear from you. You can text us, 704-570-9610. Again, that number is 704-570-9610. Got to be honest with you. We were struggling, trying to figure out what to get off the bus with. It's summer radio, baby. We got drafts going on left and right. We got silly season all about us. We are going to be talking a lot about ACC football next week. We do have team week going on right now with Appalachian State content. And then we'll also have training camp starting when guys are reporting on Saturday. As far as the rookies are concerned, the vets will report on Tuesday and then practice starts on Wednesday. But there's one soundbite where it led us to a pretty in-depth conversation in the fishbowl of the almost commits to your favorite college team. Because Bruce Brown was talking on the Title League podcast, discussing how he almost went to North Carolina, but North Carolina decided to go a different direction. Let's get off the bus right now. Let's just hit the ground running. Go ahead, Fiddy. Open up the doors. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. So the question of the day is, what are the most memorable almost commits? almost commits to your favorite school here's bruce brown talking on the title league discussing how he almost went to north carolina but they turned him down for this guy instead so my recruiting process oh, Jim was different uh, i didn't answer anybody until i was ready to make a decision what you mean so like coaches would text you call you and i did not answer you still do that shit to this day i did not answer at all though please don't change <laughs> at all didn't answer until I was ready because uh, I just wanted to focus on my senior year yep um, and then when I was ready I called some schools I was like come up and watch me hoop we hooped at like 6 in the morning up in Vermont yeah um, come and watch me hoop some teams came some teams didn't they were off me at the time which North Carolina was off me and uh, they off you? off me I called North Carolina and said hey I want to come and they said, no, we're going to take Seven Woods. I said, all right. <laughs> I'll see y'all. Bruce, Br- hey, go ahead. We're going to let y'all know what happened when we seen them in college. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so Jim came up. First of all, let's go to the, you're not going to disrespect my boy Seven like that. Play the clips. Seventh was an animal in high school. Animal. But I get what you're saying. Carry on. All right. So that was Bruce Brown talking about the recruiting process. If you don't know, Bruce Brown went to Miami, played for Jim Laranega, and it sounds, according to Bruce Brown, like he called North Carolina saying he wants to go to Chapel Hill, but they were going to get Seventh Woods instead. What do you make of that soundbite, Wes? Because I do think that's Theo Pinson. He's talking to him. Am I wrong about that? Yes. Okay. So Theo Pinson saying we're not going to disrespect Seventh Woods. That guy's mixtape was out of this world and probably one of the bigger disappointments compared to what his mixtape was. Yeah, I remembered back in the day when he came out, everybody was on him. He had the highlights rolling. And so in retrospect, yeah, you could probably look back and say North Carolina made a mistake, but this kid was as big as it got. 
coming out of high school. And so these are one of those classic recruiting stories where you just are interested in how things went down, how guys ended up at different places. So uh, I think this was another one. I know we've talked about this with you quite some time, but we have somebody in the studio that was recruited by a lot of different coaches. And so let's tap into an almost story for you. I know we got to this earlier, even this week, but it was really going to always be Florida once they offered you, or was there anybody else that you were almost going to go to? Like it was close. And then eventually you decided to go down to Gainesville. Uh, yeah, at the time for Florida, it was just them because they were the biggest school at that point that had recruited and um, offered me. So I knew that once they offered, I was going to go there. Mm -hmm. But as far as when it came down to the transfer process, long, long, long before the portal, uh, I really wanted to go to NC State. Right. But then once they still said that they wanted me to play center, then I was like, no, I'm not I'm not going to go there. Or I felt like even if they did let me play tackle that they would have eventually moved me to center. I just didn't trust the coaching staff. So I guess my almost school would be NC State. Can you imagine how different would your life be if you went to NC State instead right? of Wake Forest? Yeah, man. It's, it's interesting to think about all the different alternate universes or if I would have stayed at Florida or if Florida State would have offered me like I wanted them to if right. I would have stayed there. It's a lot of different possibilities. Uh, Fiddy, was there any school that you almost went to after some coaches and scouts saw you play church league softball? Um, no, I was actually too good. They just told me to stay at my level. You know what I found... <laughs> Really, I guess, funny from that Bruce Brown clip. What's that? This this guy called North Carolina and said, "I want you don't call North Carolina to go ask to go play there. Like North Carolina calls you, dude. <laughs> so like maybe if you wouldn't have done that, maybe Roy Williams and that Christian. So you know what? Maybe we're gonna recruit you. Oh no, that you weren't good enough in high school to say, you know what? I'm I, I want to come play for you. Oh, that wouldn't have happened though. With seven, if anybody but Seventh Woods was a part of this, then maybe they do take Bruce Brown. But Theo was right. Seventh Woods. We've talked about the mixtape thing before, but probably one of the more disappointing outcomes considering what his mixtape entailed. You said how excited you were, Fiddy. Where were you when Seventh Woods? That's an actual thing like we can ask Carolina fans where you were when Seventh Woods committed to the program yeah I was in a Spanish class at community college in <laughs> Monroe uh, which I got a 19 in that class by the way and <laughs> that is awful you got a 19 I did I, I, I failed to do a single project it was the 19 was my attendance grade that was it. I did not do a single bit of classwork the entire semester. I really hope that's the worst grade you ever received in your life. Yes. That's just not caring. That yeah. is just walking in the classroom, flipping Actually, the bird I, to the teacher yeah, every single day. The teacher emailed me and, and, and told me to not come back. Oh, yeah. That's um, brutal. That's why I was in class at community college when he committed. And it was a big deal to us, not because of you. We're not used to not getting great talent, but that was the first five-star we had gotten since the investigation, and recruiting had really taken a dive, and, and so he was somewhat of a local kid and stuff like that, too. Like, it was it was a big deal, man. I remember jumping up and celebrating 
in a, in a, in a, in a Spanish class when he committed to Carolina. Pity, I got to bust your chops just a little bit, man. Coming out, Bruce Brown was a five-star. He was the number one player in Massachusetts and top 25 recruit overall. So yeah, I think your theory about not being good enough is a little bit debunked. I could probably think of like three <laughs> players off the top of my head that should have been, if they would have called Carolina and said, you know what, I want to come play for you, it would have been justified. Bruce Brown does not fit that mold. Do you remember O.J. Mayo doing that during his recruitment, which he was hyped up as much as anybody. Yes, but he, he was. He, he called USC like, I'm coming. And I don't even know if USC was recruiting him a ton like that. Maybe I have that story wrong. I just remember O.J. Mayo saying, yo, I'm on the way. And they were like, okay, let's go ahead and give you a scholarship. We didn't expect this. But yes, yeah, sometimes players can do that. And Seventh Woods, he was good enough in high school to maybe deter you from going after Bruce Brown. Also, maybe I'm wrong on this, but it does seem like North Carolina is the number one mentioned schools w- school with the almost commits because we went to the dynamic duo with the L.A. Lakers. We found that both Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant have stories about almost committing to North Carolina before settling on Shaq's case going to LSU and Kobe's case deciding to go straight to the NBA. So you have two of Kobe and Shaq. We did get one text in on the on the text line from Vernon. He said KD, Kevin Durant, would have committed to North Carolina, but Roy and UNC had Tyler Hansborough, who was the man. John Wall also around that same time, but Tyler dissed him on a recruiting visit. We've played that audio from John Wall before. Yeah. So we had the John Wall uh, sound. Did you know anything about Kevin Durant, or do we need to do more research, Fitty? I've read Roy Williams' book. He never talks about recruiting Kevin Durant, and I don't think, look, as great as Tyler Hansborough was and is, my opinion, the greatest ACC basketball player of all time, I don't think he stands in the way of recruiting Kevin Durant. So that's that's one that's not a Bruce Brown seventh woods situation. That is if Kevin Durant, if you have a shot at getting him, then I would think you're going to go ahead and secure him by any means possible. But not only those guys. I mean, we can remember J.R. Smith almost commit. J.R. would have been fun as hell in college, but then goes to the NBA. And we even have the Brandon Ingram switch where he goes to Duke after wanting to go to North Carolina. It ruined the Kinston lineage after seeing Jerry Stackhouse, even a Reggie Bullock. Brandon uh, Ingram goes to Duke instead. Yeah, the thing about J.R. Smith is Carolina had one of those on their roster and Rashad McCants. Like like two of those guys on the roster program would have been in shambles. So Wolfpack James said no. Shaq said he almost committed to NC State, not North Carolina. Well, both are kind of true. So if you look at Shaq's comments, he talks a lot about North Carolina, but he said Dean Smith actually rubbed him the wrong way. Probably the only time I've ever heard that in my entire life and that they were actually looking for somebody. Yes, maybe you diehard UNC fans know a Matt Winstrom was somebody from Texas that North Carolina was looking at. And then Shaq said he kind of liked what he was seeing at NC State, but he said this, it wasn't hood enough for him. So LSU was the school that he would go to. (laughs) Chapel Hill, yeah, probably not hood enough if you're Shaq and you want to go somewhere that entails that. And LSU playing for Coach Dale, Shaq and Dale, one of the more underappreciated 30 for 30s, by the way. Yeah, it was really good. That was very good. So, yeah, those are some of the almost recruits. But, man, we see this a lot with North Carolina. I feel like more than some of the other schools out there, which is just interesting to me. Do you feel any type of way about that, Fiddy? Does that say anything to you as a Carolina fan or not really just that you've lost out on some, but obviously you've had plenty of recruits that were successful? I mean, I think it backs up my belief that it's the best basketball program in the country. So a lot of these high profile players do want to go play at Carolina. 
but when you look at Coach Smith, you look at Coach Williams, like they were guys that they were going to, they were only going to take certain guys. And so you might have called them and they, hey, I want to come, but we're not taking you because Chapel Hill was not for anybody. So it's only for the greats. <laughs> and some of the, and look, Shaq went on to be great. J.R. Smith went on to be good. Like some of these guys, Kobe went on to be great. But, like, Chapel Hill ain't for everybody, man. Um, Heat fan also wrote this in, which I did not know. Jalen Brown from the Celtics said on a podcast, and DeMar DeRozan, as well on Podcast P, said he was coming to Carolina before Roy told DeMar his friend could not come with him. Can you back that one up at all? I know Carolina was heavily involved in Jalen Brown. I don't... I mean, DeRozan was already in the NBA. So it's crazy. I, I don't know what his who his friend is that could that couldn't yeah. come with them, but I never bought in that Jalen Brown was going to be a Tar Heel. Now, all right. Well, those are some of the stories that are kind of interesting for me, just because we see so many of the greats, some All Stars, almost committing to another school, and North Carolina seems to be the featured program constantly with that topic. Let's go to the top fifty players in the NFL according to PFF. On the other side of the break, how many Carolina Panthers made the list, and how many could make the list in the next season? It's coming up next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I don't know if you felt old because of this, Wes. And every time we talk about being old, I remember it was uh, one of the texters saying that it's something that where they want to slap me in the face when we talk about getting old and I'm actually a lot younger than some of the other people. Yeah. But Fiddy said, uh, so here's what happened, right? We were talking about the almost commit stories. Somebody wrote in about DeMar DeRozan almost going to North Carolina, but apparently Roy said he couldn't bring his friend with him on the team. And many people wrote on the text line that DeMar DeRozan's friend was Lil Romeo. So it wasn't just like some random guy. It was Lil Romeo, childhood star, and of course, the son of Master P, rapper and former Charlotte Hornet, by the way, Master P. So Lil Romeo is the guy, and Fiddy looked up at both of us and said, I don't know who Lil Romeo is. (laughs) And all we did was stare back at him silently. Then he asked, should I know who it is? Well, and this is the problem. I, I feel like neither one of us knew how to answer it. Like, should he know who Lil Romeo is if he's a little ahead of Romeo's time as a childhood star? Or, I mean, he's a little younger than that. Because that was right at my age. That was right where I was consuming the Bow Wow, the Romeo. And you guys were Nickelodeon guys. And Lil Romeo had a Nickelodeon show. Pretty good show, by the way. I liked it. Wasn't it just called Lil Romeo? I think so. I really liked that show. It was good. And so it doesn't ring a bell at all. And then we ask you if you knew who Master P was. And you said that rung a bell a little bit more. So Yeah. Um, And by the way, like the fact that DeMar DeRozan let not – bringing little Romeo of impact and playing at North Carolina just goes to show you what of, of his decision Here making. Here we go. I mean, like, dude, I, I love, I love flounder. Flounder's my lifelong best friend. I've been best friend since the sixth grade. <laughs> I would, the like, if, if I was being recruited by Roy Williams, one of the Mount Rushmore coaches in the history of college basketball. And he said, you can come son, but you can't bring your daggum friend. Flounder's <laughs> not coming. And I'm going to Carolina, baby. <laughs> I love the Roy Williams spice you put. But what on if it. Coach K said both of y'all can come? You're not doing it. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, like I would rather. Uh, what? So yesterday I said I would sell my family. Yeah. For Patrick Mahomes, 
Let's see what I would do to not go to Duke. You're talking about bring flat. Yeah, I don't know how to make that a question if that's what you were saying. Yeah, wouldn't it be more so what you would do to be able to go to Carolina? Wouldn't that be a better question? I mean, yeah. I mean, like there's things I'd much rather do than than have ever went to do. Right. I know, I know. There's a lot. There there's a lot of pain that you would endure in order to not go to Duke uh, University. One hundred percent. Um, but yeah, Lil Romeo show. I I really loved it. Um, it was uh to me that was probably. I don't know if there was any other shows based off of like the childhood stars back then where like they were famous with music first yeah. and then they came over and did a show. I guess Bow Wow was on 106 and Park. That doesn't count though. That's not yeah, a childhood show. No, that's show. not a pull out <laughs> show. Brandy would probably be the only other one. Oh, I, would say. I did like Brandy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a great Brandy one. Was dope. Brandy was good. Do you remember <laughs> Tyena at all? No. That one is a deep cut. If, if we are talking Nickelodeon shows, Tyena is a big old deep cut. But I was a big old fan, too. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, bring us your deep-cut Nickelodeon show, 704-570-9610. We can also talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers. We teased it yesterday. Pro Football Focus released their top 50 players in the NFL. I believe they released every single player on the list except for the top 10, right, yes. Wes? So mm -hmm. top 10, they have not revealed any of those players. I'll imagine that there's no Carolina Panthers on the top 10 list in the NFL, according to PFF. I think that's reasonable. And if that's the case, Wes, there's not a Carolina Panther at all on the top 50 list. How surprised are you that Pro Football Focus did not include one single Panther on the top 50 player list in the National Football League? I, I thought Brian Burns could have uh, got up in there, but based off the grades that they gave him from last year, I guess not, and I don't know how much they're basing it on what they feel like they'll do this season. And so uh, other than that, that he was a guy that I thought would crack the list, if anyone. Uh, but other than that, not surprised that they didn't get anybody into the top 50. Well, this... It goes to just how deep the league is because you think about, oh, yeah, they're definitely a top 50 player. And then you're like, of course, asking the question, who are you putting them in front of? And then you see number 50 is Debo Samuel, who is a fantastic wide receiver, a jack of all trades type of guy. That he is. Then you see Mark Andrews, who's what? A top three tight end in the NFL at absolute worst, probably the second best with George Kittle suffering some injuries, whatever. You can debate that however you want to. Quentin Nelson, 48. Cameron Hayward, 47, in my opinion, one of the more underrated defensive linemen he of the last decade. Is, yes. And Jason Kelsey, probably the best center in the league, comes in at 46. At some point, oh man, if these guys are top three at their position, then you go to Carolina and the first names you think of are guys like Brian Burns, who you know I love and will defend his merit. But I know he's not a top five edge rusher in the NFL. So if guys at the top three spot in their position aren't making it in the top 40, then it is tough to go to Carolina. What I will say, Wes, is just within one year's worth of time, especially if Carolina makes the playoffs, there are a few guys that could, I don't want to say easily because it's a hard feat to reach, but absolutely could reach the top 50 after one seasons of play, right? Brian Burns could reach it. No doubt. He's talented enough. And you said he made it last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he made the top 50. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I misheard you either okay. way. That's certainly possible for him to reach next season. I think JC Horn could reach it. If you stay healthy and you're a shutdown corner, even if you don't think there's such a thing, the the casuals that might call cornerbacks a shutdown corner. <laughs> if you're that, then you could reach top 50. Surely. Derek Brown, you give us another year like you did last year and also increase the sack total. Derek Brown is one of those guys. 
if Iki Aquanu has an Andrew Thomas type glow up after your rookie season at left tackle. So this is why even if there's not a top 50 member, I still feel very good about the foundation that Carolina has right now to where next year, the year after we could see multiple Panthers on that list. Yeah, I think so. And I think all of the guys you brought up are certainly valid guys that you could see. I think Brian Burns, if he can reach the numbers he had last year, maybe tack on a couple. I think he gets in there. Derek Brown's another guy, as I said, this defense will see if he is able to increase the sack total. I know, as I've said many times, the responsibilities that come in at 3-4, the numbers may go down just a touch, but he'll do a lot of things that you won't see on the stat sheet. So I like that one. And then J.C. Horn is a guy that's just waiting, uh, in my opinion, to get to get that do from the rest of the NFL if he can put together at least 15, 14, 15 games. This is a guy that I feel like if he continues on the trajectory that he's been on, that he'll get that type of regard as well. 704 wrote in on the text line just wondering, was Christian McCaffrey on the list? Well, I'm glad you asked because there, he was only two spots away. Yeah, I, from I didn't want to bring that up. I was going to troll and ask if he still played for the Panthers and then ask who he plays for now, but you know, he I doesn't. He doesn't, but he is on the <laughs> list and really just sneaking in there, Wes, at number 44 on the top 50 list. So I guess if you want to talk about a Panther that played last year with the team, then yes, one of those guys did make the top 50, but no longer is he a Carolina Panther. And so McCaffrey comes in at 44, Aaron Rodgers, just to fill in the gaps there. He comes in at 45. So we know about the foundation. We know that we feel good about some of these younger players. They could reach that feat next season, especially within the next couple of years. If you're talking about an icky, maybe doesn't make it next year, but the year after certainly has that kind of talent level. Maybe you consider it a little too top-heavy at some of these positions. So do you think there's a lack of depth issue for this team right now, Wes? How big of an obstacle is that for Carolina coming into 2023? Well, Darren Gant talked about on Panthers.com, he was talking about Israel Evero's defense, and he was saying he has a reputation for tailoring his scheme to the talent at hand. And so he was talking about you could get some hints in OTAs and minicamp that they're trying to manufacture pressure. He brings up Frankie Louvu, Jeremy Chen, who don't fit the traditional positional modes at the positions in the 3-4. So he said they're going to move around. And so he said that they're not particularly deep at inside linebacker behind him and Shaq Thompson. And he said that's another position to keep an eye on. And it's easier to find veterans at that spot at reasonable rates. And so that's the thing. When you look at the depth chart for the Carolina Panthers, you ask yourself, you know, every team has to go through their attrition during the season. And a lot of times the teams who do end up doing really well are the teams that have the best attrition, guys that are able to stay out there on the field. And so if you take a few injuries at some key spots, it's like, do they have the requisite players to be able to do that? And you definitely look at linebacker, a lot of unproven back there, especially in the middle. Brian Burns is definitely a guy you don't want to see go down. Right now in the depth chart, they have DJ Johnson behind him and Amari Barno. Uh, unproven DJ Johnson and then Amari Barno is another guy that you just don't feel comfortable about. They have to step in. You feel like if Burns goes down, there goes the pass rush. You also feel like, as he talked about with Shaq Thompson and Frankie Louvu, those are very key guys. Uh, you could go to a Derrick Brown. So there, there are a few key places to where – uh, and, and this is not like college where you can have a five-star guy waiting behind and just waiting to get out there and shine. You know, in the NFL, there's going to be some drop-off 
uh, between your backups and your starters. Yeah. So I just look at some of the key spots of Carolina. If you take a hit to a Adam Thielen and then Mingo's not quite ready yet, how does the receiver room look? So just wondering at some of the more key spots how the depth is looking. I think offensive line depth is probably their deepest position when you talk about just quality depth where they could withstand some injuries there. And quarterback. I mean, if if you lose Bryce Young for a couple of games, Andy Dalton is the backup. And if Matt Corral looks to be a guy that's coming into his own, then you feel very comfortable there. Well, yeah. So depth is an issue at certain positions. And I would argue every NFL team has a depth concern at certain positions. If you had multiple guys at every spot, then it's going to be tough to hey, beat you. would be a college team. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in the SEC, where you just recruit and pay NIL money to everybody in order to snag them, <laughs> yeah. and then you just don't have a weakness. So Carolina certainly has weaknesses. I think you go to cornerback depth, where it's funny, man. Like You have cornerbacks on the roster that you used to feel good about, but after last year... You can't feel comfortable with C.J. Henderson. You can't feel comfortable right now with Keith Taylor. You got Rajon Wright as an undrafted rookie who we like. But but he's unproven. Unproven. So they have cornerbacks. They actually have highly thought of at once upon a time cornerbacks. But man, if Dante Jackson or J.C. Horn goes down, then who's to say you're in a different situation from last year? Those guys did go down and you got torched. I mean, you got obliterated. Against Tampa Bay, for sure, when you were playing at the end of the season. I think safety depth is a bigger strength than it usually is this year. Von Bell, Jeremy Chin. Yes, that is a deep position. Jamie Robbins. There you go. So safety probably as deep at safety as you have been in a while. I would say so, yes. Well, and Wes, that's a position that Carolina has not addressed with a ton of star power before. Mike Minner is a beloved Carolina Panther. One of those interesting debates as far as a ring of honor mention. But he was the guy, and it's, it's funny, Mike Minner... He's. I can't think of anybody that would even come close to him, honestly, as a best safety in Panthers history. Kurt Coleman had a very good year during the Super yeah, Bowl season. Yeah, but not the longevity. Longevity isn't there, and nobody would put another safety up in the Mike Minner realm. Now you have some depth to work with, which is great. Offensive line. Offensive line is not a position that you've pointed to and say, oh, yeah, we have a plethora of offensive linemen that we feel great about. Now, after feeling good about it last year, you might have a legit debate at who should start at left guard with Chandler Zavala on the roster battling with Brady Christensen. And if Christensen doesn't start, he's a he is probably the prototypical swing offensive lineman you'd love to have on your team. Really athletic, now has ex- experience at guard Started last year, did a fine enough job, but if Savala is just more brutal in the run game to go against, and then Christensen can go to tackle, he's athletic enough, he had great combine numbers. Yeah, you're talking about a really deep offensive line, and that's nothing Carolina has usually been able to sport. Then they bring back Cam Irvin, which you like as a as a decent option at tackle if there's an injury there. So you do love it. This is a team that went from really struggling on the offensive line to now, as you said, having that quality depth. And what I'll say, too, wide receiver, look, you can rate him down at 32 all you want to. If you compare him to last year, DJ Moore is the best wide receiver if you add this year's crop from last year's crop. Nobody's going to get it twisted and argue that. But their second leading receiver last year was Terrace Marshall. Their third leading receiver last year was Shai Smith. Shai Smith might get cut. That's a real possibility. Terrace Marshall, your second leading receiver last year, 
We're trying to figure out if he's going to be third or fourth this that season. That answers your question about that depth. I'm just telling you. Like, it's weird to see wide receiver depth considered the worst in the league, which, okay, you don't have a whole lot of top-heavy stuff. I understand that. But you feel better about the entire group this season, at least I do, than I did last year. I did want to go back to the text line. I asked you for your deep cut Nickelodeon shows or just children's shows. And this is a great one. 336 Brothers Garcia. Do you remember Brothers Garcia at all? No. See, this is tough because we have three different demographics right now. We have the 40-year-old. We have the 30-year-old. We have the 26-year-old. And I know it's not a big gap between me and you, Fitty, but it's just enough to where we missed out on certain stuff. Brothers Garcia is right up my alley. That was great. Zach from Kannapolis. A lot of people got excited when I brought up Taina. Taina, yeah, big time childhood crush. I just crush. looked it up. I don't remember that. Zach from Kannapolis said Taina is now the lead mom character on the writer Shea Sharano's new show, Primo, which oh, I've heard is great. Okay. And, uh, well, she's still fine, is what Zach from Kannapolis wrote in. <laughs> Mint Hillbilly said Cousin Skeeter. Yes, Cousin Skeeter was great. Also, Fitty, if you don't remember Cousin Skeeter, the point guard, Samuel L. Jackson's son and Coach Carter, he was in that show and was one of the main characters. Really? So you might need to go check out uh, Cousin Skeeter, looking at some other deep-cut Nickelodeon shows. Um, yeah, people are just still putting heart-eye emojis to Tyena. So I'm looking I, at it right now. Fitty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Goodness gracious. All right. Oh, then I guess you could, I guess, to throw a couple more in yeah. there, uh, uh, the Parenthood. I don't remember I Parenthood. Zaria that had Robert Townsend on there and... Uh, I don't remember that. That was a cool show that used to come on uh, Channel 46, uh, WJZY. I can't forget which affiliate. I think that's the CW now. Yeah. Well, it's probably, yeah, WB back in the day. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. So we Hanging with Mr. Cooper. For sure. That is a great one. For sure. Oh, and plus, if we're going to talk about, we can have this transition if we want to, to the CW shows in light of the ACC airing on the CW. Yeah, nicely done. Nicely done. Um, We can go to Smart Guy. Yes. Loved smart Being guy. Being little brother, which that leads to sister, sister. Yeah, sister, oh, sister. Sister, sister was a classic. Yeah. It, it was a classic. Uh, <laughs> that's so Raven. I don't know how deep cut that was. Yeah, that's not a deep cut. But, but also a great show. Mm-hmm. I certainly loved it. Oh, Pete and Pete's a deep cut. You remember Pete and Pete? No, I never heard of Pete and Pete. Let me look that up. Uh, salute, salute your shorts. Legends of the Hidden Temple is a classic one, too. Yeah. Salute your shorts sounds like a show I would watch. <laughs> I don't know if I want to explore that. <laughs> right. Let's move on. Let's get to the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. Why? A lot of day baseball that we're going to keep you up to date on. The Braves looking to snap. I think it's now a two-game losing streak. They lost again last night. It's nothing, nothing in the top of the second. And this gives me the opportunity to bring to the forefront a disservice being done to me on the show. After the show Monday, Walker and I made a bet about the Mets and the White Sox series. If the Mets won the series, he had to buy me lunch. If the White Sox won the series, I had to buy him lunch. Well, the Mets won the first two games. They've taken, they've officially won the series. They're going for the sweep in about 30 minutes. And I asked Walker today, you going to pay up on the bet? Wow. And uh, he said no. Fitty, 
is a borderline. He is working. Now, well, man. he's a borderline evil genius because now he's just running with the story so much. He had you understanding that you really weren't paying attention to him. You were looking at your phone. You were working on the show, whatever. And Fiddy tries to set you up. Hey, Wes, do you remember hearing me pitch to Walker a bet between the White Sox and the Mets? And if the Mets won, then he'd have to pay for lunch. And if the Mets lost, then I would pay for lunch. And you were just kind of scrolling on your phone. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I remember. He's like, see, Wes remembers. <laughs> you are a borderline evil genius, and this isn't no, going to work No, I got on, on your me. side. I told him I didn't remember. Well, once I brought it to your attention a little more so, I wanted you to pay attention just so because I wanted you to be on my side. Yes. And you're like, wait, no, that didn't happen. But I think Fiddy took advantage of you not paying attention. And now here he is trying to spread more lies on air. Let's go to break. Let's try to be truth tellers on the other side of this. I don't know if Fiddy can manage it, but we're going to try it. Let's give you the state of high school recruiting in North Carolina. Langston Wirtz joined Kyle Bailey yesterday. Only six of the top 25 are coming to a school in North Carolina. The top high school recruits out there. Interesting stuff. We'll get to it on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the text line 704-570-9610. Hit that follow button on social media. We'll have the question of the day. Also, our behind-the-scenes antics on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram at Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram at Westbrian underscore 72 on those same platforms as well as HTB underscore Josh. And now it is time to go to the campus. All right, so Langston Works was on the Kyle Bailey show and had some interesting topics for sure, talking about recruiting in the state of North Carolina. So let's get right into it. A lot of the top recruits nowadays are going out of state. If you go on 247sports.com and check out the top 10 guys, you only have two players that are staying at home when you're talking about uh, they have two commits going to North Carolina, Malcolm Ziegler and Jordan Ship, who committed this week. Alex Taylor is thought to be a UNC favorite uh, for sure, so that would give them three. But then just a few guys, you go down the rest of the list and you talk the top 20. There aren't anybody until you get to 19 where Jeremiah Melvin is going to Wake Forest. And then Terrell Anderson looks to be an NC State commit soon, but not yet. But you see Oklahoma, LSU, Notre Dame, Michigan, Stanford, Penn State, Nebraska, Georgia. I mean, a lot of guys you see that are not going to be suiting up in the state of North Carolina. So let's go to Langston Wirtz's sound about it being uh, hard for any school to build a recruiting wall in North Carolina. The day after winning the National Championship, uh, Kirby Smart was on a plane into uh, Charlotte, on a helicopter into Charlotte um, the next day. So I, I don't think you can build a wall around the state. I think uh, these guys know that the talent is here. I had a coach tell me that when you recruit a guy from the Charlotte area because of the training I talked about it and the development, they very rarely get a miss. You know, they, they, these guys are producing. You look at a Will Shipley, you look at a Drake May, players like that. Hollywood Smothers are going to be great at Oklahoma this year, a kid out of Chambers. Uh, 
I think uh, you're going to see more and more kids, you know, from this area do really well. And the more to do well, that makes more guys want to come in. So it's going to be really hard to, to build that wall. He also went on to say why so many in-state football recruits are leaving the state of North Carolina. And ultimately, uh, you know, they want to – kids want to be on a winning program. And, you know, North Carolina's had a few down seasons. State hasn't been to the ACC championship game. Kids want to play in those big games. They want to play that championship game. They want to play in the college football playoff. Now that they're moving to 12, I think it's going to help, uh, you know, maybe another local team get in there at some point. But I think those are the things they're fighting against. And kids are looking, you know, to, to – they, they want the quick hit. You know, they want to get to the league as fast as possible. You know, they want to make as much money as fast as possible. They want to play as early as possible. And sometimes going to Southern California might hurt that playing early as possible, but it doesn't hurt the other thing. Yeah, and see, I think this is another factor of ACC, SEC, and it just mattering more to the SEC as far as the money that they put in, the TV deals, the money that they have at their disposal. Not saying that the ACC teams are sorely lacking in that area, but still lacking because of the resources. And so I think that when you just put the onus on the recruiting hard like that, Schools in North Carolina really do have nice facilities. Duke's working on theirs. They're getting ready to get something new. Wake Forest has just gotten new facilities. North Carolina, their facilities have been a work in progress. And then NC State's always had nice facilities, but you always have to upgrade. Then he talked about the playoff situation and things of that nature. But, Walker, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I I was trying to compare North Carolina to some other states. So I went to a big one. That's a hotbed of high school football talent. That's California. Plus, they have a school right in their own backyard that is a historic football school in USC. So they got a decent amount of those top 25 recruits. But according to my math, which could be wrong, but I did it a couple of times, even though I'm not good at counting sometimes, they have seven guys staying in state in California. So that's also a recruiting hotbed. You have a school that is more rich in college football history than anything here in North Carolina. And even still, they're only being able to retain seven of those top 25 recruits in state. So to me, it just goes to show you that there's so much talent when Alabama comes calling, when Georgia comes calling, now even Clemson, which isn't that far away. So if you want to come to North Carolina, and even if you are playing inside these state lines, Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, a guy that's won a couple of championships, he comes over and says, hey, why don't you come over to Clemson? Then you might just go outside of the North Carolina state line. To me, it just goes to show how talented North Carolina has gotten. And we've seen that too, right? Like it probably started with independence going on their crazy run. And we've had a lot of talent in North Carolina and South Carolina. But when these big schools that are winning championships that are in the SEC, especially with the way we've been conditioned to just believe that it means more in the SEC and they're better and the historic record shows that they're better, then, yeah, if you have more talent in your school or in your state, then these big schools are going to come in and snag them away. Well, the thing is, too, man, this is always going to be the case as far as when you're talking about being able to play in the big games and things of that nature. When I was coming back, uh, coming out of high school, you would have a few recruits in the top 10 that would go to North Carolina like always, but kids were going to Tennessee. They were going to Florida State. They were going to Florida. So this has always been the deal with North Carolina because of that very reason. You said there is no historically great program that's perennially uh, a college football playoff or a college football national championship contender. So that's always going to be a problem in the state of North Carolina. 
It's just going to come down to uh, just the fact of kids changing their mindset that they want to go to schools and start different legacies at different places uh, as well. You see Jaden Davis going to Michigan. He could have easily gone to any school in the state and play quarterback, but you just have to continue to upgrade the facilities, pay your coaches premium dollar to get the best coaches that are going to go out, not taking no for an answer like a Kirby Smart uh, as well. Well, and I'm looking at Florida right now too, Wes. So Florida has Miami, Florida, and Florida State. All monster schools recruiting in state. And from what I've counted here as well, there's seven. Only one more than a local kid like in North Carolina staying within state lines. And I can only count seven of those as well. Man, that's with those three schools, right? All three of them who have a richer football history than any school here in North Carolina. It's just tough when everybody, when, when the secret's out. When everybody knows just how good of a football player you are. Now, you have NIL helping a little bit, too. But Georgia winning these other high-profile schools, yeah, there's no wall that almost can be built, to be honest. If Florida, Miami, and Florida State aren't doing it, if USC isn't doing it, and hotbeds like California and Florida, then how do you expect even Mac Brown, as great of a recruiter he is, how can you expect any of these guys in North Carolina to do it with guys that are so talented that can play on championship-level rosters? Yeah, and then you talk about also in the state of North Carolina, all of the major schools here are fairly on, on similar levels. When you talk about NC State, Carolina, Wake Forest, and Duke. Now, Duke has gotten better in years and gone to more bowl games. Uh, they used to be kind of at the bottom of that totem pole, but you all have schools that are kind of on similar planes as far as how they're viewed uh, in the eyes of the rest of the nation. So it's going to be interesting, but I just feel like this is a problem that's always been here in North Carolina. And as you said, man, recruiting is so national now. It's not like uh, back in the days where you had that one or two special recruits out of your state that would get recruited by the out-of-state schools and then they would go. Now these kids are looking for a little bit of everything with the social media aspects and all types of things that these coaches can throw out there to attract kids. So I think that plays into it as well. Well, and, and another difference, too, is the fact that if you are if you are North Carolina and your top 25 crop is better than it used to be, then, of course, that attributes to what you might consider is a problem with not keeping guys in state. But also, I mean, Fiddy, Sam Howell, he was a four-star coming out of high school. Am I right about that? Yes, I don't think he was. He a was. So, okay, so he's a four-star. Alabama was going to get him. And Florida it was, State. No, Florida State. Or Florida was. State, excuse me. That was Drake May, Alabama. Sorry. But Florida State was going to get Sam Howell. But then mm. Sam Howell and Drake May was five-star, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so yes. Drake May goes to North Carolina. But even like guys like that are four-stars, you probably have a better shot at keeping them in state because – they're going to be high. They're going to be the kind of high-profile guys that those colleges have been used to getting, and they're just easier than five-star guys because everybody wants them, right? Maybe the pool shortens a little bit, and now with so much talent out there, it's just going to make it harder to keep those guys in state lines wherever you're talking about. Yeah, man. So the ACC schools and all the schools in North Carolina are going to have to continue to work hard to keep some of those great recruits in state. But when we come back, Adam Witten joins us to talk App State. It's still we. He's team. not good. We don't know that for sure. We're trying. Okay. To get them but we'll see if we can get them later on just wanted to put that clear well either way we're going to be talking some <laughs> app state as team week, team week continues right here on the wes and walker show sports radio 92.7 wfnz